Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk Low Vision. This is sponsored by the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International. And this evening, we're talking about a topic that many people want to know more about, and that is shopping tips when you're shopping online with low vision. Here on the call this evening, we have from Los Angeles, we have uh, Julian Vargas. Welcome, Julian. Thank you for having me on. Good evening. Yeah, it's great to have you on here again. We appreciate that. And uh, this time you're calling in from Los Angeles rather than New York, huh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you get to travel the world there pretty nicely. And we also right. have Donna. And Donna, where are you calling from? St. Louis, Missouri. Great, great. And that's where the Envision Conference will be this summer, I know, in September, right? Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's a big low-vision convention that they have there. And I imagine oh. it's going to be pretty hot and humid in September. But uh, Probably we'll... so. It's very hot and humid here right now. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for joining the call. Um, tonight, we're going to really be talking about this whole concept of online shopping. And I know for myself, and maybe even more so my wife, my wife is so afraid to shop online because she fears that her identity will get stolen. And she feels that if you do shop online, someone will steal your credit card and you'll have all sorts of other types of problems and things. And uh, Donna, what can you say? Have you had any experiences of, that were negative in which you were shopping online and you had problems with your credit card or a checking account or a debit account? Um, no, I haven't. I it is a concern. I I do think about it when I, you know, when I use my credit card online. But I guess maybe that's why I've continued to do it. I've I have not had any negative experience at all. Everything has went really well. Can't comment on that. Oh well, that's good. That's good. And uh, how about you, Julian? Have you ever had any type of uh, theft or fraud or security problems while shopping mm-hmm. online? Not at all. And let me start by saying that I'm not the world's most prolific online shopper, but for that matter, I'm not the world's most prolific shopper, period. (laughs) But um, I've heard this concern discussed a lot, and I remember way back, uh, you know, in the 90s when I started playing around with the Internet, uh, that was a concern of mine as well. Do I want to put credit cards out there on the Internet? But here's the thing. Most of the time, and I was one of these people, I was afraid to put my credit card online, but yet I thought nothing of calling a mail order center and giving some human being my credit card. Now, mind you, this human being is probably a minimum wage worker, not earning a whole lot of money. I'm giving them my credit card number. How do I know that he or she wasn't writing that down and trying to make perhaps subs- uh, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, boost their income a little bit? Uh, might choose to do something nefarious with it. So. The fact of the matter is you're actually safer putting your credit card online because most of these websites nowadays are secured websites. Uh, one way to tell for sure if you're shopping on a secure website, if you check the address bar, if it says HTTPS and then the rest of the, the you know, colon slash slash and the website, that's how you know it's a secure website, which means that your transmissions to and from that website are completely encrypted, and it's very good. It's 128-bit encryption, which is very good. So the chances of some hacker coming across that, that information is not as much, even though we hear a lot on the news today about you know, institutions and sites that are being hacked. The truth of the matter is that the, the, the overwhelming majority of the time, you're safer giving your credit card online as opposed to, to some mail order taker on the phone or even at a store 
you know, how most of us, when we go to a restaurant and we pay the bill, we give our credit card to a waiter or waitress who then walks away with that card. We don't know what they're doing. They could be using a little skimming device that's out there that people have, uh, scanning your card real quick and getting the information and bring it back to you. And you're none the wiser until you get your bill later and find out. So the truth is online shopping is inherently safer nowadays than, uh, than handing your card to a stranger or giving it to somebody over phone. That's really, really, really good information. And just to tell you a story, I was lecturing once in Montreal, and I went to a restaurant. It was a little mom-and-pop restaurant, and they took the American Express cards and such, and it had the little carbon copy. And uh, I had no problems with anything. And that day, I got a call at my home. Now, I had someone watching my home. That person called me and said, you got to call American Express. I called American Express. And by three hours after I used that card, there was $3,800 charged on it on different types of stereo equipment in Europe. And so we went through the fraud department, and they later called back, and they told me what happened. And as you said, Julian, they took the credit card from the carbon copy, and they must have given it to a friend or somebody else there. And while that employee was working, um, their friend took that carbon copy and charged things up there. So uh, that's really, really good at good advice. You, you had mentioned there that when we go to say that we're using Internet Explorer and we're typing in a web address and we should look for HTTPS, and that S, I assume, responds uh, for secure, is that something that you're stating that we have to type that in Let's say that we're going to go to Amazon to buy a book. Do the users have to type in HTTPS, or can we just type in Amazon.com? No, you just type in Amazon.com. Uh, what will happen is, uh, even though you type that in, it is going to route you to their secure website. Now, when you just go to Amazon.com itself, that part of it may or may not be an HTTPS site, but certainly when you go to the part where you're logging into an account and you're actually going to enter in sensitive information, that for sure should be secure. And any reputable site like Amazon or Buy.com, you know, any of these big sites out there, eBay, all of these big uh, well-known shopping uh, services are secured. They, they've got a reputation to protect, and believe me, they're not going to uh, put your – they're not going to – leave you vulnerable. Great. Now, Donna, when you have shopped online, um, what has been the form of payment? Have you used credit cards or yes. do you use your debit card or do you have one of these PayPal accounts? So uh, what have you found to be most effective and most efficient for you? I just uh, use my MasterCard. That's the only one I ever use. Yeah, and I guess the really nice thing about using a MasterCard or a Visa card, you could always uh, cancel that order, too, if you have a problem. Is that right? You could call the credit card company and tell them what has happened. Yes, and uh, I always print out the at the end of the, your order and everything, it says, you know, usually says print this, print this to your receipt, and I always print that out and keep it. And so I always have that information as to what I ordered and, and then when they send me emails, you know, conf confirming what I've done and everything, I always keep all those until my order comes and, you know, everything's right like it's supposed to be. Great, great. And how about you, Julian? Do you just use your credit card or 
Do you use a PayPal account or a debit card? I use credit cards and I use PayPal. Um, I want to say one quick thing about debit cards. Uh, the banks don't like this being said, but this is the truth. Uh, when you get these debit cards from your bank, the kind that have the uh, credit card logo on them, there's a uh, consumer advocate uh, guy on the radio. His name is Clark Howard. Some of you may not have heard of him. He calls those fake Visa, fake MasterCards, and with good reason, because what happens is, is that unlike a normal credit card that sends you a bill every month, these cards directly debit from your account instantly. And if either you are mischarged or uh, somebody gets a hold of your card, the damage is done instantly. That money is out of your hand. Now, I will say that banks have gotten a lot better now about handling this and about uh, not leaving you without the money for too long. But still, you know, you could be in a position where if that debit card's tied to your checking account and you pay your rent or other bills from that account and somebody unbeknownst to you has gotten a hold of that card and gone to town, you know, like what happened to you with the $3,800, that means your account would have been instantly emptied out. Um, the credit card gives you protections where, you know, you get a bill. You don't pay that bill if it's fraudulent. You call and you file, a, you start a fraud report and you dispute the charges. So the money never leaves your pocket while it's being investigated, and more than likely, fraud is proven, and you never have to pay a dime if the credit card company eats that. So I know that not everybody's in the position, especially if you're on low income, to qualify for credit, but I would say that if at all possible, it's always best to use a real credit card as opposed to one of these debit cards for any kind of shopping, not just online, but any kind of shopping. And you had mentioned that you also do use the PayPal uh, account thing. Can you describe how does that work and how does one even set up a PayPal account? What you do is you go to www.paypal.com and you tell it that you want to set up an account. And you, you're going to be asked all kinds of information with typical name, address, phone number, date of birth, you know, all the stuff that's usually used to verify you. But then you're also asked to input uh, bank account information because what PayPal does is it's tied into your your bank account so that when you make a payment through PayPal, if you don't have any money sitting in your PayPal account, meaning uh, some people use it to sell things, and you can get paid through PayPal as well. So when you have money in your PayPal account, then, then obviously uh, purchases you make get paid from that balance. But if you don't have a balance in your PayPal account, it then goes and gets the money directly out of your checking account. So your your checking account has to be validated. And the way that, that takes actually a few days to do because what PayPal does is they actually make very small deposits, two or three of them. And then um, you're asked later to tell them what amount were those deposits. So they verify that it's you, it's your account, but you're not putting in someone else's account and making debits off of it. So once you have a validated account and you have a validated address and everything to them, uh, it's a real safe and secure way to make payments, especially for eBay. And increasingly, a lot of merchants are also accepting PayPal. Now, I got a question getting back to the PayPal. So one can simply go to www.paypal.com and set up yep. the account, and you give your information, including your bank. Now, for the very first time that you're on there, do you have to specify how much money you're going to transfer from your checking account into the PayPal account, or does it do nothing until the first time that I actually buy something? 
Yeah, you don't have to put money in the PayPal account. You can if you want to, but you don't have to do it because if you don't have money in the PayPal account, what PayPal will do is when, let's say, uh, I go on eBay and I bid on an item that I want and I win that item and it comes time to make the payment, um, it links with PayPal. I log into PayPal and the charge that I'm being charged is shown there to me. And if I agree to it, I click uh, the buttons to go ahead and make that transaction. Only at that point will PayPal go and take that money out of my account. They do it uh, once I've told them to do it. They don't just do it arbitrarily. Now, I have received many different types of email that seem to be these phishing scams, and sometimes it may be PayPal. It looks like it's PayPal, and it says, Bill, we want to verify your account. Please provide us with all of this information. And I say, you know, this sounds kind of fishy, and I don't. And uh, I don't know which of these emails are, are real or not. How do you know that if you have purchased something online and PayPal asks you, do you want to release these funds? Do, they, do, do you have a way of really knowing that that is PayPal? Um, well, you, you're sort of talking about two different things because when you make a transaction through PayPal, the email that you get from them is a receipt of your transaction. You don't get them asking you for additional information. In fact, your banks, PayPal, the phone company, any of these companies never send you email asking you for a ver for updated account information. So anytime you get something like that, it's almost always a phishing scam. And if you're not 100% sure, I say don't click. The one thing is never click on a link in that email because even clicking on the link could put you in trouble. The thing to do is to just call the company. PayPal, all these companies have a number, a toll-free number to reach them. If you go to the website, paypal.com, and you go to Contact Us, Almost every website actually has a contact us section. You go there and you call the toll-free number and you talk to a customer service person and you can ask them, hey, did you guys send me an email asking me for this information? Oh, great, great. Okay, so that's good. So um, both of you do recommend either just using your credit card or creating a PayPal, but never, never use your debit card. Well, uh, as I said, I, I understand that there are people who, because of limited income, uh, just don't have sufficient credit to qualify for a credit card. So there are some people who have no choice. If they want to do this, they have to do it. But I would say, if at all possible, use a credit card, even if it's not yours. Ask a family member or a friend who has one if you could charge it to them. I mean, I, I've done it for people who don't have credit cards, and they just pay me the cash, and I charge it to my card, and you know, away we go. Yeah, that's really, really good advice. Now, Donna, um, how do you actually get onto the Internet with uh, your low vision? Are you using a extremely large computer screen, or do you use a software program or a magnifying glass? How do you see some of the small information on the Internet? Um, I use JAWS and Magic, and I also have a 21-inch monitor. Wow, you got the Rolls Royce, Cadillac, and the Mercedes. <laughs> well, my That's husband's great. totally blind, so he's learned Jaws. So I, I, I have Jaws, and Magic works for me, and it helps that I use both. And so I just I use it all. Yes, and when you do most of that shopping online, do you find that you're using your screen magnifier Magic most of the time, or have you found that you have become proficient in using? JAWS, which would just use voice to uh, let you shop? 
most of the time for shopping, I do use magic. Uh, I listen to Jaws a little bit, especially like when it comes time to review my order and, and all that. I do listen to all that and make sure it's right. But as far as uh, most of the rest of the of shopping part, I do um, use my magnification. But I have Jaws on, but I usually just mainly pay attention to the magnification as opposed to the Jaws. Now, with, with some of these sites... I know that uh, they do ask you if you're going to either go to a site and they want you to create a new user account. They give you these options of either trying to read these scrambled numbers and letters and you have to enter those, or they might even give you a audio, uh, sort of a garbled type of uh, set of numbers or letters and they want you to type that in. Have you found that to be difficult for you at all? I know that I have found it at times to be difficult. Yes. Uh, sometimes I have to do it two or three times to get it right, but I've eventually usually gotten it right, but it takes me a few times sometimes because it's just, they're hard to read. They're just the numbers and the, and I, I can see them. It's just, it's just hard to distinguish them. Sometimes certain letters look out like other letters. And so that's just what's hard for me. But the audio, if they have the audio, that does help. Okay, so many times they do have a link on there so that you could do the audio and you simply click that and it will say a series of numbers or letters to yep. let you open an account? Yes. Oh, great. How about you, Julian? Do you have any uh, suggestions on that? Or have you run into problems with trying to set up an account with any site because of that uh, code they want you to pass in there. Yes, the, the dreaded CAPTCHA. I think we've all had a run-in with that beast every now and then. Uh, for me, uh, I have a similar setup to um, what she was just saying. I have JAWS and Magic as well. But I also have a, a video magnifier. I have a Pebble. And I actually have found that using Magic along with the Pebble Ooh. has made it sometimes a little easier for me to decipher some of those things. And sometimes it takes me two or three or four tries before I get one that's worked working because the audio links don't always work right. And even sometimes when they do, there's a lot of hash and all kinds of noise in, in the background as well. Sometimes it's, I find it easier to just uh, play with the magnification and play with the inverting colors and, and little tricks like that to make it work. I, I'm sorry, but I have to ask one question. What is a pebble? <laughs> a pebble is okay. uh, one of the many uh, portable video magnifiers that exist out there. Okay, I've seen a can... lot of them. I just didn't know. I had never heard of the pebble. Yeah, that one's made by Enhanced Vision. Oh, cool. a very good one. Okay, thank you. I'm sorry. Yeah, and Julian, uh, why do you think that using the combination of the magnification from Magic plus the Pebble, do you have any theory as to why that makes it easier for you personally to be able to uh, see it? Well, here's why it works for me, because I see best when writing, when the background is black and the writing is white or light color. Yes. So I keep I have windows kind of set up to do that for me automatically, but oftentimes the area where the captcha is located cannot be inverted. So that's when, or if I do oh, invert okay. the colors on Magic, then the, I got the whole rest of the screen glaring at me, which is kind of annoying. So yes. the Pebble actually actually lets me focus in right on the captcha itself. I see, and, and then, then I can invert the color on, in the Pebble and make it to how I can see it best. Ah, that's that's really, really a great idea. Yeah, because many times we think that we could just invert the colors on our computer screen, but as you say, sometimes it doesn't invert everything. So that's really, really great idea. How about when you're using JAWS, Julian, 
do you have any uh, specific recommendations that have been very helpful when you're on many of these shopping sites using JAWS? I would recommend that you always check to see if a site has a text-only or screen reader-friendly version. Amazon.com, for example, has a really good one. Uh, when you go to these sites, a lot of times you'll notice that one of the first things that, that JAWS says to you is, click here if you're using a screen reader. Yeah. And if you activate that link, suddenly you're taken to a text version of the site that doesn't have all the flash or all the other things that sort of make JAWS go kaflooey. So that works. Another thing is if you're using JAWS 11 or 12, they have the Research It tool. And in the Research It tool, one of the categories is, is Amazon search. So oftentimes when I want to look for something on Amazon now, I don't bother even opening the website. I open up the Research It tool, type in what I'm looking for, and then just tab over to the Amazon search, and I start it from there. It'll bring up a virtual window a text, virtual text window, a window that I can highlight text or do what I want to, whatever I want to do with it, uh, bring me information on the products, and if I find something I like, if I hit enter or space, it automatically then takes me to the text version of the Amazon site, and uh, I can go ahead and proceed with buying it if I choose. Wow, wow. that's great. <laughs> yeah, now, uh, for those, can you just briefly describe to some of our listeners who may not be familiar with JAWS, just real quickly, what is JAWS and what is the Research It tool? How do you use it? Well, JAWS is a screen reader that makes all the, or a lot of the print uh, on a computer screen accessible to a totally blind person or, or even somebody with low vision like myself who uses it in combination with magnification software. So that's what JAWS does. And in one of the uh, tools that we got within JAWS when JAWS 11 came out was something called the Researcher Tool. It, uh, it kind of goes a little bit beyond of what one would expect from a screen reader, but it's still very useful nevertheless. You hit the insert space R, and that brings up the JAWS Researcher Tool, and, and you're given a, um, an edit field. You type in what you're looking for. You can look up anything from weather. You can do searches on WebMD, Wikipedia, uh, Wiktionary. If you have a word you want to look up real quick, you can do it from there. So you type in whatever it is you're looking for, and then you hit the tab. And then that takes you over to the list of all the things you can search. You can even get sports scores on that thing if, if you want, like ML baseball scores. You just type in the name of the team that's playing, and you tab over and hit the M. I think it brings up MLB or you can go through the list and find it. I'm, I'm not a sports enthusiast, so I, I don't know for sure, but it, I know it's something along those lines. And you can instantly be given the score, the, the, the score, whatever the latest is, any information that you want. But you can shop with this thing, look up information. It's, it's a very good tool. And inside there, uh, Julian, what are other shopping sites that they have? You did mention that you can find Amazon.com. What are some of the others that are available if you do type in the Research It tool edit box? You know, I don't know if it has any other sites besides Amazon, okay. but to me personally, it's one of my favorite sites to shop on. You know, it's, it's one with a good reputation. It's one that's very easy to work. I've never had any issues with them, and when I've had problems with merchandise or anything like that, they've been very helpful about getting replacements or refunding or whatever needed to be done. So... I believe that there are ways you can add other sites or recommend to the people Freedom Scientific that they add other sites, uh, and that would be something to talk to Freedom Scientific about. But um, as far as shopping goes, I think that's the one that I know of offhand that you can access from the research tool. 
Great. Well, that's really, really a helpful tip. And for some of you who might want to try it and you do not own JAWS, uh, you can actually download a free version. You could simply go to www.freedomscientific.com and then there's a link that has downloads and then you could simply download a free copy of JAWS and this works free in a demonstration version. So what that means, I believe you have 40 minutes and then it will ask you to reboot your computer. So if you wanted to try shopping with it, you could download it, it'll boot up, turn on, and then you could press insert and the space bar and that will bring in the research uh, box that Julian was talking about. It's actually inserts, insert plus space bar and R and you gotta do it like all together. So you hit like insert and then hold, as you're holding insert, press space, and as you're holding them both, then press R. Another uh, little tip, not necessarily for shopping, but another useful thing with the research tool. Let's say you're in a document or on a web page and you come across a word and you want to know its definition. As your highlight, as your cursor is on that word, if you hit insert plus Windows key plus R, that'll automatically take you to Wiktionary and give you the definition of the word. Wow, that's great. Insert Windows key and, and R. R. Great. I wish they could have made that a little bit easier. That's a pretty long stretch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, how about you, Donna? Um, when you're shopping, have, have you found that Amazon, is that also one of your favorite places that you go to shop? I've shopped a little bit on Amazon, not a whole lot. Um, I've mainly gone to, um, like, uh, department stores, um, Walmart, uh, Target, um, and one of my uh, my florist, my local florist. I do shop online there. And uh, but I haven't. I have done Amazon, but not a whole lot. But um, I really appreciate those tips. Those would be great. That will help me a lot. Now, what has been your experience with Walmart and Target? Because those are two very popular stores and. Do you shop at those stores out of convenience so that you don't have to go there? Or do you find that they just have some great bargains? Walmart has some great bargains. Like if I want a CD, that's the best one of the best places i found to get current CDs. Like if I don't, you know, get a chance to go somewhere to buy to buy one. Um, they have good prices on CDs. Uh, Target, I live close to Target, so... Sometimes I just kind of go looking around on the website before I go there once in a while. Uh, I saw shop at JCPenney's also. I've ordered from JCPenney's because um, I live even closer to JCPenney's, and I don't have to pay for shipping. They will ship it straight to my store, so I can just go around the corner and pick it up. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Now, now when you when you browse through these very large websites such as those, how, how do you browse? you basically have a topic, maybe, for example, that you're looking for blouses and you try to find it by a, a big major topic link like that? Or how do you browse? What's the easiest way for you to browse as a person with low vision? Uh, yes, that's kind of what I do. I usually have something in mind that I'm looking for. That's why I go to the website to begin with. And I, I like a lot, a lot of times I'll go to the search and I'll just type in what I'm looking for, like ladies' blouses, you know. And or I'll go to the women's section and then start from there. I very seldom just shop to shop. I'm not that kind of shopper. I usually have something in mind when I'm looking for something. 
And have you found that most of these sites, do they have shopping carts? I know some of the places that I've fooled around with on the uh, Internet, they have a shopping cart. So you could throw things that you might buy into the shopping cart and decide later? Yes. And how do you find that you do that? How do you put things into the shopping cart uh, with with your magic or your jaws? Do you drag it over into the shopping cart, or is it a matter of clicking a link? How do you do that? Uh, there's a little link. Usually, most of them just say "Add to Cart" and are right below the item or something, and I'll just add it to my cart. And I, I admit, I I use the mouse quite often, but with magic, that's I couldn't I couldn't do it without magic. But uh, I can with magic. Oh, that's great. And then you still have the option before you check out, if you want to throw something out of your cart and not buy yes. it, you still have that option too. Yes, you do. So it's pretty simple then, isn't it? Yes. Now, Julian, I know that we were talking a couple of weeks ago, and you had told me about um, with the iPhone that you had, that if you're shopping physically at the store, Let's say that you do go to Best Buy and you see a nice set of speakers that you like. Uh, You were telling me about an application that you could use with your iPhone, and it would tell you about that item as well as other possible places that you might be able to buy it online at a better price. Is that right? Yes. As a matter of fact, I can tell you a story that happened not too long ago. I was with a friend of mine, a few friends of mine, and we were at Fry's Electronics. And we were looking at things, and one of the things that they wanted was a folding Bluetooth keyboard, which they had recently gotten in. So we went and checked it out. And, you know, my friend thought it was pretty cool, but the price was a little higher. And they were saying, well, you know, let's go home and check on Amazon. I said, wait a minute, sure, uh, let me do something. And I opened up this little Amazon price checker app that they have that you can download for free from the App Store. And you just point the camera of the iPhone when you select it, you want to scan something. Uh, and you point it at the barcode. You hold it there, uh, as I was saying, you, you, you point the camera of the iPhone to the barcode on this device and wait a second and it snaps a picture. The phone vibrates to let you know that uh, it got the, uh, the code scanned. And within a minute or two, the screen is populated with with that item, information about it, and different sites that have it. Of course, Amazon, uh, their listings are going to be the first one because it's their app. So uh, uh, Fry's had it for $69. Amazon had it for 53 And they were saying, well, okay, we'll just go home and buy it. And I said, wait a minute, let's see if they'll match it. And we come to find out that Fry's actually will match online prices. And Amazon's uh-huh. one of the people that they match. So we went and we were told to speak to a manager. The manager, I showed the manager the screen on my phone with the item and the price. And they said, yeah, no problem. And they matched it. So my friend got the keyboard for 53 instead of $69. and was quite happy. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> that is great. And I'm certain that the manager probably said, oh, that stinking iPhone. <laughs> well, no, because at the, at the end of the day, they're getting a sale. They're get, they're moving product. Oh, sure. So, I mean, they'd rather sell it for 69 of course, but they'd rather sell it for something rather than having it sitting on the shelf because everybody's going to the store and then uh, going home and looking it up on Amazon and buying it cheap, and then they're not getting the sale. That's right. That's right. And what was the name of that application again? 
Uh, it's just a price checker, I believe it's called. It's, if you if you go to the Apple App Store and type in Amazon, you'll come across all their apps, and one of them is the, the Amazon Price Checker, and it's free app to download. Thank you. I have an iPhone, so thank you. <laughs> well, you know, Julian, one of the other things that I found to be really helpful when I have my kids looking up things and researching for me on Amazon is that they also have a lot of reviews, and I find them to be pretty, pretty accurate. Yes, that's another thing that we did with the keyboard. We read the reviews. We wanted to see what people were saying about it, so that was also very helpful. So, you know, in a way, it's sort of combining the best of both worlds because I still always prefer whenever possible. I, I like to get out and about. I don't like to sit at home. I like to be out as much as possible. So uh, I would rather go to a store and put my hands on something and feel, make sure that it's the right thing. Uh, to make sure. Otherwise, you're dealing with having to send things back, and that can get a little annoying. So this is the best of both worlds, because we get the Amazon price, but you don't have to pay shipping, and you don't have to deal with, well, getting it and then maybe finding, well, maybe this isn't the right thing, so now i got to put it back in the box and take it to the UPS or the post office and mail it back. Yeah, and what has been your experience in terms, I know that you're very fond of Amazon, but have you had success with getting in touch with a live person? If there was ever a problem, uh, is, have you had success in calling a customer service 800 line? Yes, I have. As a matter of fact, last year I bought an item, and two days later it went on sale for a pretty substantial discount. And I called them up, and at first they didn't seem to really want to play ball about matching their own price, but then eventually, I, I remembered a saying that I heard once. There's a guy that used to do a travel show on the radio, Peter Greenberg, I think his name was. He always said, never accept no from somebody who doesn't have the authority to say yes in the first place. And I remembered those words, and I got a hold of a manager. That manager was a very different uh, story, and he was willing to uh, give me the difference in price. So, yes, I have had very good luck with that. Wow. Now, how about Donna? Have you have you shopped on eBay? I know that's a very, very popular site, and I have never, never even gone near it because I heard it's a little complicated. But have you ever used eBay? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I know about it, but I've never really shopped on it. Yeah, how about you, Julian? Do you have any experience on eBay? Yes, I've been uh, an eBay shopper since, what, I think... 99 or 2000. <laughs> and and how accessible is it for people with low vision? Well, if you're using magnification and speech, it's pretty accessible. It's you know, it is a very busy page. There's a lot of things on that page, a lot of links, a lot of pages. But I believe that even JAWS users can get around uh, on eBay, the, the real good ones. So uh, having some vision actually uh, makes it a little easier because you can focus in on the thing you want to click on and point your cursor and have it read from there, which is very helpful. And in sort of a nutshell, how does it work? I, I understand that there's uh, different vocabulary and they have uh, like a starting price or uh, auction price. Or Real quickly, how can you summarize how it works? So eBay started out as an auction site, but it has become much more than that now because people have online stores, virtual stores on eBay where they sell stuff. Um, there's different ways you can buy things on eBay now. The, there is, of course, the the, uh, the auction, but some people also have the option to do what they call buy it now. Uh, like, let's say, for example, I want to sell, oh, I don't know, a new video magnifier comes out and I don't need my pebble anymore, let's say, and I wanted to sell it on eBay. 
um, I would maybe I would make an auction, and I can decide what the lowest I'll take for that item is, and start the bidding there. But let's say, let's so let's say I, I decide to put it in there hypothetically for three hundred is the starting bid, but maybe I want to give someone someone the option who wants to buy it right now and doesn't mind paying a little bit more. So I might make my buy it now price at five hundred, and if somebody sees it and wants it that bad, they have the option to click that button and complete the transaction, and that ends the bidding right then and there, and it's theirs. Oh, okay. So you don't necessarily have to go through the bidding wars. You know, I know a lot of right. people are busy, and they say they don't want to wait around. Now, if a person is looking and they, they're going to go through the auction itself, what type of time limit is there? Is that a 24-hour time limit that somebody has to buy it, or how does that work? Um, in terms of when you win the auction or in terms of when you bid? No, to bid. Let's say that you put up the Pebble Magnifier tonight at 9 o'clock okay. uh, Pacific time. How long can this bidding go on? I believe you can, can You can decide that. You can make it two or three days. You can make it a week. Um, there's different options for that. Uh, most of my experience is buying as opposed to selling. So, uh, But I believe you do have that option. You, you can decide uh, how long the auction is. Okay, so the buyer, let's say that Donna wants to buy your Pebble Video Magnifier, when she goes to the eBay site, she will see that it is an auction, and she would also see something that would say this auction will end on July 1st or something of yes. that matter. It says when it will end, and it gives you the exact time that it will end. And as a, as a buyer on eBay, are there certain strategies in terms of when when you should actually place your bid? Should you try to wait to the last day and do it within the last hour or what types of strategies might one consider? I believe in what's known as, uh, I think it's called sniping. <laughs> Where <laughs> you're like a sniper and you're taking your shot at the last minute. Uh, I always wait till the last minute if I'm serious about an item because what I've learned in the past is when I found something I really wanted. So what I would do is I would go and, and place a bid. And when you place your bid, you you tell eBay what's the most you're willing to pay for that item. And what eBay will do is it will bid for you incrementally. Uh, and as other people add bids, uh, let's say, for example, the example of the video magnifier again. So somebody's selling a pebble, and they have it the starting price at 300 So let's say I decide I'm not willing to pay any more than, say, $350 for that. So I'll type into eBay that that's, my bid, that's my ultimate bid that I'm willing to make for that magnifier. So what happens is is that eBay will put a bid for me uh, in the amount of maybe, say, $305. And then somebody else comes along, you come along and say, hey, I want that magnifier. Let's see. I'll put in, uh, let me see, the 305 let me put in 310 So what happens is you put in your 310 but eBay remembers that I've already told that I'm, I'm willing to bid up to 350 So right away you're going to be told right off the bat, uh, you've already been outbid, and it brings a bid up to maybe 315 And it'll keep doing that until, um, let's say, you keep doing and doing it, and then you bid 355 Well, now you're the highest bidder because you outbid me. You, you, outbid my, you went above my maximum bid. So doing that makes the cost of something potentially go up higher than I think it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. And 
there are shady characters out there who will even get their friends to go in there and and bid on their items as well to try to jack up what they're going to get. So I always wait till the last minute, and it's kind of fun, too, because you get into these little bidding wars with people. (laughs) Yes, and as you're doing these bidding wars, you could see the other person's name up there, I imagine, huh? It it shows what they what their username is on eBay, yes, and it'll show what the maximum bid is, and then of course you have the option. And if you decide, well, you know what, I, maybe I don't mind paying a little bit more. Let me put in another higher bid, <laughs> and it goes do and it goes till the clock ticks, and when the clock stops, whoever had the highest bid wins the item, and it but notifies you. This is really great. And the last question I have for either of you, Donna, I'll ask you first. Have you ever done any type of online grocery shopping? I know that here in California, there are some of the supermarkets that will allow you to make your grocery list online, and they'll put it together for you, and they could deliver it. Have you tried anything like that ever? Um, no, I haven't. The grocery store that I shop at, I do know they will do that, but I live like oh, a block and a half from there, and I, I can easily walk there, so I just oh. walk there. So I, yeah. I haven't done grocery shopping, no. Oh, yes. Because I understand that if you do do it online, they have a clerk that will select all these different items mm-hmm. you have for you, so that that could save a little time. How about you, Julian? Have you ever tried any grocery shopping online? I have a long time ago, but I'm in the exact same situation. My store is about a block away, and for me, it's just easy to go in there and do it. I know the layout of it, and uh, between my little accessible accessible technology and my barcode scanning apps on the iPhone, I do just fine, and it saves me the uh, delivery fee. Yeah, yeah, and we know you don't like to stay in the house, Julian. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's fun to get out. Any excuse to get out, I'm, I'm about it. <laughs> I'm sitting in my swing right now outside. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yeah, in yeah. my backyard. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. That's wonderful. Well, you know, we got about a few minutes for questions, and let's have all of our listeners who do have questions for Donna and Julian, uh, unmute your phone by pressing star six, and we'll go ahead and, and take some calls. Bill, I have a question. This is Tom. Hi, Tom. What is a CAPTCHA? I've never heard that word. All right, Julian, you want to take that? Okay. A CAPTCHA is a little image that uh, companies have. The, the idea behind the image, just to give you a, a little background, uh, they want to prevent, like, for example, Gmail and Hotmail, people that give out free email accounts use these. They don't want spammers getting mass amounts of email addresses to use for spamming. So what they want to do is they want to make sure that it's a human being who is actually applying for that account, not a bot or a robot kind of software that goes and does this automatically. So what they do is they put an image on the screen. It's a combination of letters and numbers, but they're jumbled up in such a way that most uh, OCR software can't easily decipher it. But the human eye, of course, can because of just the way that we process things. So while this is great at helping them reduce the amount of uh, email addresses that are created for nefarious purposes, it's terrible for us, the visually impaired user, because we have to try to decipher this silly thing. Kind of cold, then. It is. I mean, there's no particular meaning to the code or anything like that. But basically, you're told, okay, type into the edit box here what you see in this image. So you decipher the image, the combination, and then you you hit a button to enter it. And if you got the right thing, then you can proceed with uh, accessing your account. Great. Let's see the next question for uh, Donna and Julian. 
This is Anne. Um, I pull up things online, but then I end up calling and doing it over the telephone. Um, uh, the fact of what he said about the person answering the phone um, <laughs> is something I hadn't thought about. But I have a problem also in entering my um, uh, credit card account number. And definitely those scrambled numbers uh, throw me. And the other thing is I have ordered, um, I pulled up Farm Fresh to You off the Internet, but again, I do it by phone because it confuses me too much to do it online. But that um, you can get um, fruit and vegetables delivered from a, a farm uh, every week or every two weeks or how, however you want it, which has been great. Well, great, Anne. You know, and that's another really good option. Not everybody has computers, and you could still use a phone. So what is the name of that uh, address? You said Farm Fresh to You? Was that Farm you Fresh to You, and it's a farm. It's one locally up here in Northern California. It's up near Clear Lake, I think. Okay, great. So and they deliver really... a certain, quite a large area they deliver to. And... Well, um, but I do pull up information about what they're having and stuff on the Internet, but it, it's a little bit too confusing. But my main problem on um, ordering like from um, Amazon or I order from L.L. Bean or something is entering my account number. Okay, well, yeah, many people do have that problem, and uh, maybe that might be something that a computer adaptive technology person could help you with that, show you a few tricks with that with your, your computer system. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for the advice there, Anne. And I, I use ZoomText. Great, I, I, yeah. I, I use ZoomText, both the uh, magnifier and the voice. Oh, great. That's really, really a, a good program also. So thank you, Anne. How about hey, Dr. Bill, if I could say something real quick uh, uh, regarding the uh, talking to people on the phone. I, I want to make it clear. I wasn't trying to scare anybody from doing telephone transactions. I, I think the majority of people who are order takers for these companies are, are good, honest people. I was merely just bringing that up to put into perspective uh, the safety of online shopping. Um, you know, the, the idea that she was just mentioning was a great idea. Some people, it's just easier to talk to a human being instead of having to uh, monkey around with entering account numbers or dealing with web pages that may not always be the most accessible. Uh, may I ask one quick question? Yes, your name is? Donna. This is Donna. Yes, Donna. Go ahead. Uh, this, sometimes, a lot of times they'll ask you for the four-digit uh, three-digit security code on the back of your credit card. Yes, they often do. Uh-huh. Is that uh, just as safe to give out as your credit card number? Well, when you give out that information, you're certainly giving them more information that they can certainly use to access your card because, after all, that's one more layer of verification that, or security layer that's put into the mix. So when you give that to somebody, if they were to use it nefariously, it would be easier for them because now they have that code along with your credit card number. But, again, I'll point out that most of the people who do this are good, honest people. I've done it many times. I still will do it when I have to do it. So I'm not saying not to do it. I'm just saying that for people who worry about online shopping, uh, it's, to me, in my opinion, actually safer because you don't have a human in the mix that can be uh, okay. corruptible. That's kind of what I thought. What you said about a restaurant was very helpful because I know my son hasn't figured out how they, their credit card number was uh, taken, and that would explain it. Yeah. 
Okay. Now, uh, let's see. Do we have another question for Donna or Julian about online shopping? I have one, and that is that when I went on to Canon one time, they they had the, the a previous order that you know when when I wanted something I added I typed it in there or whatever it was that I did. But they also had the order from a previous order along with the, that that I had ordered, and I didn't want that, so I I got frustrated and I just uh, got offline and, and 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 called in the the regular. Uh, 800 number because I just didn't want to deal with that. Yeah, I think that's really, really a smart thing because sometimes some of these websites are not designed as well as others. And as Julian said, some of them are excellent, like Amazon is excellent. But sometimes these websites, they do have some of their faults or some failures. And in those cases, it's good to be able to call. And that's why it's really nice if the online uh, store does have an 800 number. You know, for example, Staples or some of these other stores, you could do it online or you could call if there's a problem. So that makes it really helpful. Okay, let's see. Do we have uh, we have time for one more question for Julian or Donna? Do we have another question out there? Question. <clears throat> on Amazon, if I want to buy a book that's recorded on CD, I can't find where to go to do that. Is it clearly on the page and am I just missing it on the screen? Amazon probably has a bookstore or, or section, kind of like what they do when you want to buy music. What I would recommend doing is just typing into the search field what you're looking for, and oftentimes that will take you directly where you need to go. More than the title, the format is what I should type in. Thank you. I'll try that. Okay, yeah. You know, that's what search fields are for, so you type in as much information as you can about what you're looking for and then let it do its thing. Thank you. Yeah, so in many of those situations in the search box, you might type in, you know, gone with the wind, comma, audio. Uh, so that that's a way that they can uh, help you to locate that. Thank but, you. Uh, yeah, Donna and Julian, this has been very, very helpful. I think this has really been very, very helpful information. It's very clear, and I think you, you rest our minds. You both have been very successful with shopping online. And we want to thank uh, Ayers LA and Mr. Dick Burden for doing the recording if you want to hear this, it will be at two places. One is at Airs LA. That's www.airsaarsla.org. And you could click the vision link. And then from there, you could look through the table and you'll see the CCLVI. Or you could go to the CCLVI webpage at www.cclvi.org. And then you can listen to this and share it with your friends. If you want to keep up to date with other types of information and podcasts on Low Vision, you could also become a friend of Airs LA on Facebook, and you could do that by going to facebook.com slash LA. So we thank you for tuning in this evening, and we look forward to having all of you here next month when we bring you more information on Low Vision. So good night, everybody, and thank you very much.